Welcome back, everyone. This is another episode of The Shannon Show. Just a few announcements before I introduce our guest. We hit 100 subscribers, which is, you know, really cool. Appreciate all of you guys for doing that. And this is also the last episode of Season 3, Episode 30. So comment below who you want to see uh, come in for Season 4. Uh, always looking for new guests. This is a really exciting thing for me to do. And with no further ado, I have every teacher's favorite and least favorite student, Abraham Schoolfield. Hey, howdy. How are you doing, man? I really appreciate you coming on. And I actually, I wanted to get some background on you because I didn't know too much about you, but I know pretty interesting guy. So yesterday I got some dinner with Max and Cami, uh, some of your old friends from Okinawa, and basically just interrogated them for about two hours about everything that they know about Abraham Schoolfield. Yeah, so uh, what specifically do you want to know? Well, I mean, I just wanted to hear like some things like their perspective on you, and it just helps me formulate my questions a little bit better, just to make sure that you know I'm well prepared for these interviews. And I think that I'm off to a pretty good start. So let's start with just you kind of being a military kid. We met in Okinawa in Kubasaki. Where were you before that? Uh, so right before that, I was in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, my dad was working at the Pentagon. We lived, you know, Alexandria. I went to Mount Vernon High School. Uh, and then, yeah, we moved to Okinawa right after. Gotcha. What was the move like for you to Okinawa? Was it like, have you lived overseas before that? Was it a big deal? What was the transition for you? Yeah, so that was our first move, really. Our first big move. It was really back yeah. and forth between Virginia and North Carolina for our family. Um, so then we were like, oh, we're going to Okinawa. And most of my family was like, oh, we don't want to do that. My dad considered retiring, <laughs> but I was like, come on. When else are we going to get to live in Japan? And I put a little exactly. pressure on the family. We moved out there. Yeah, I was very excited to move out there as well. Totally see where you're coming from. Uh, how did you, was there anything that you did to prepare for that move, kind of like mentally going into it? Because you said you had to move too much before that. So was there anything that went into that process for you? Yeah, so like I just said, um, I made a big deal about saying like, this is going to be really cool. When else are we going to do this? I got excited about Okinawa, did some research. I started learning Japanese. And then when I got there, awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, it felt more like a vacation than a move. But yeah, just a really long one. Yeah, whenever I talk to kids, whenever they say they do some research beforehand, it really helps uh, get used to the new place, the culture, and the language. So that's awesome you were able to do that. And once you got there, you said it's like a vacation. Was Did it seem like that the entire time you were there? Uh, I mean, looking back, it really, yeah, it was a great experience. It was a, a lot less stress than living in America. I just made the most of it. Just spent a lot of time outside. Just the weather there was amazing yeah yeah all year round it was it's absolutely beautiful there uh, do you have a favorite memory just being on the island or something that you would do that was one of your favorites uh i'm sure as you remember we couldn't drive off base until we were 18 so yeah. i did a lot of biking so biking everywhere on Okinawa was a lot of fun like biking home from school biking to school yeah. up that giant hill up because uh, i lived on plaza by uh, yeah yeah up that giant hill even though that sucked it was some of the best fun Just yeah that's i made that walk a few times it's not short that's uh that's awesome you ought to do that i know a lot, of, a lot of teachers used to do that do you remember mr beaver did you ever have him i did not uh yeah he would always be biking to school every morning his tank top and my mm. bus would pass him on the way there he, great guy anyways uh did you have a favorite food or restaurant there i know a lot of people are like pretty particular about this did you have one of those uh not one i had a couple um yeah 
So I went to this one soba shop specifically called Dadama Soba. Mm-hmm. It was right off Plaza. If you were leaving Plaza, you go left and like your head Kadena and you cast it on the right. Yeah. And then obviously Coco's amazing, always good. Oh, absolutely. Level three spice, that was my go to. <laughs> um, and then this one burger place um, on the east side of the islands called Wolf Burger or Burger Wolf, that place. It's really good. Good. I'm I'm not familiar with the burger place, but absolutely Coco's. I was a little lower on the spice scale. I think I was like one or two guy, but I mean, you know, everyone's everyone's different. I know some people yeah. would go all the way up the ladder. Uh, funny about Coco's, uh, something Cami said that you guys had some sort of bet where she ended up having to buy Coco's for you, and she was expecting you just to get like you know like an entree or something, but you got an appetizer and then two bowls of curry or plates, I should say. What was going on there? Uh, I don't think it was really a bet. I think she. <laughs> wanted help with visit somewhere so i was like oh. okay buy me buy me coco's and we'll do it and i <laughs> ate one normal serving of coco's you know just the standard level three yeah. chicken cutlet and then we were there so long that i was like i'm gonna get another <laughs> I <know laughs> I she sounded disgusted when she was talking about it i'm like i think i'm on his side with this one i mean he, had, he took advantage of this opportunity uh, that's a funny story so on now kubazaki in particular very unique school, very unique unique place to go to school already. And I mean, older building, very unique experience. What was your first impression of Kubusaki? Like first day of school, you get there, what are you thinking? Uh, it's tiny. Yeah. School, Mount Vernon that I went to, um, it was a 2000 person school, mm-hmm. you know, oh, wow. I, like the freshman class was the size of Kubusaki. So I get there Jeez. and I'm just like, where's the rest of the school, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a smaller place. Uh, you got there, it was your junior year was the first year you were there, correct? Yeah. Um, were there any teachers in particular that I know spent, we were Miss Calvin's together. I don't know what your relationship was like with her, with her, but was there any teachers in particular that were like helpful for you or any friends like transitioning on the island that made it easy? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would definitely hang out with Mr. Eastman, E-Man, as I call him a lot, because uh, there was only, I think it was seven people in our physics one class, and yeah. most of them were seniors, and they were all on the soccer team, and so the class was, you know, he's a soccer coach, soccer team was basically the whole class, yeah. so it was really chilled out, and everyone got to hang out, so that's who I would think of the most that helped. Did you uh, play soccer? I tried out. I did not make the team. Though. Uh, I played soccer right. when I was like in elementary school. But... How's he going to cut you after you're in his room all the time, like hanging out? With I know. Him? Like, I thought there should be a bond there that was like uncuttable. No, he kind of did it in a nice way, though. He didn't just like, like it was weird. He, you know, read off the list at the end of the last tryout mm-hmm. practice. Was like, hey, if I don't say your name, you're not on the team. <laughs> all that. But before he did that, he like, when I was like walking to get water or something, he was like, hey man, thanks for trying out, but you're a cool guy. You're just not good at soccer. He said it in a nicer Jeez. way, but basically he said it to me directly, which I appreciate Yeah. He's, he's a great teacher. I had him a, a geometry or something my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, good guy. And Miss Eastman as well. I'm sure you spent some time with her. I did, you spent some time with JSHS, I believe. I, I'm pretty sure the year I did it, you were not a part of that group, but did you do it later on? I did seminar. Uh, okay. And I was going to do JSHS, but then at, I was like, ah, I don't really feel like doing this. So I didn't. Yeah. So what was your seminar experience like? Because that's 
pretty unique thing to Okinawa and Dodd specific, and a lot of people really enjoy doing that. What was it like for you? That was a really fun trip. Uh, I think it was a week long, and we went up to t Tokyo Scuba University. Mm -hmm. uh, my specific course, because we do like a college course for a week, it was uh, artificial life, where we like learned about how they're trying to simulate life to figure out more about it. And that was fun. And the most memorable thing about that trip was these pancakes that me, Victoria, and Emily got. They were like... Pancakes? Yeah. Okay. Last day, <laughs> on the way out, every, we went to the mall before our flight to get food, but the mall's closed. So me, Emily, and Victoria walk like five blocks down the road and find this really like gourmet pancake place. Yeah. It sounds weird, but like they were like this thick, like two, three inches thick. Like one pancake was that thick. One pancake. And they had this like really thick. fancy, like, yeah, really fancy like whipped cream like cooked into it. Oh, man. Best, Best pancake, pancake of your life. Yeah, <laughs> no I, would, I would not going to Tokyo. I would not think a pancake place would be the place to look out for. But that's interesting. Another, uh, but did you have a relationship with Mr. Koi? I know a lot of people thought very highly of him as a teacher. What was that like? Nathan? Yeah, I would talk to him. I talked with most of my yeah. teachers after school because yeah. I was like, you know, why not? Um, uh, I wouldn't hang out with him as much, but no. I wouldn't care. He's, I wasn't like afraid of him, if that made sense. There's like two kids. Like, you're either afraid of him or friends with him. Uh, that makes sense. I work my way from one to the other. He, uh, he's. I understand he's not the guy you necessarily want to hang out with. Anyways, uh, if you were giving advice to someone moving to Okinawa, similar situation as you, what would you give them? Uh, embrace it. Don't be yeah. afraid of moving there because a lot of people who complain about living there and talk about how much it sucks, it's because mm -hmm. they're still trying to live in America while they're in Okinawa. Mm -hmm. Just embrace that you're there because you're only going to be there for a few years and just make the most of it. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. I completely agree. Whenever you first get there, you're trying to like compare everything, compare everything back to the stateside, and there's there's no point in doing that. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. I remember walking through American Village for the first time, like there's nothing like America. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Like what, like what 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 was I expected? I'm not sure. But a uh, fun place. Definitely embrace it. Tell me a little bit about what you are doing now. Uh, so right now I go to Arizona State University. Is mm -hmm. there one of the flags uh, that they sell? Uh, I'm an aerospace engineering major. I'm living in North Carolina with my parents because of Corona. I couldn't get on campus, mm -hmm. all this weird stuff. Um, and yeah, I think that's good summary. Yeah. So what made you want to, why Arizona? Did you have family there beforehand or not really? Uh, not really any reason. It was honestly my backup school. Um, gotcha. <laughs> I, I originally was looking at Emory Riddle for a flying program, mm -hmm. but then I looked at the tuition and it was ridiculous because it's a private school, all this BS. And Arizona had a similar program, which I was initially going to do. But then again, I looked at the tuition apparently. So it, it's a flight school and, you know, normal college combined. So you graduate and you're mm -hmm. qualified to be an airline pilot, but you have to pay for flight school and college, which is twice the price. So it was going to be like 50 grand a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not doing that and the classes were like you know the first level math things and i'm like mm -hmm. I'm, i took calculus bc you know milanovich i i think i can take some higher classes 
yeah so, i did uh i did a tour down at embry Riddle whenever i was going through my college search i did a tour down mm-hmm. there it's uh i mean daytona is nice that you have the race car stadium which is pretty cool but and definitely smaller campus it's are you talking about the florida campus or the arizona campus? i'm talking about the florida campus oh yes i, I totally forgot they had another one that's in uh arizona right yeah yeah totally forgot yes that makes that makes more sense i was like wow that's mm-hmm. very very different locations too but okay yes gotcha uh, i forgot about that one while we're talking about the college application process you were doing it mostly while in japan correct because that's where you graduated high school what was it like having to do it from there you can't visit these schools necessarily you're doing this all like whack time zone all the i'm guessing applications it's a little more difficult with your address and your situation what was it like doing the college application process from overseas um well i obviously didn't do it in america so i can't compare mm-hmm. them too much but gotcha. i don't think it's really that different the address mm-hmm. was annoying because you have to like specify it yeah and that sometimes they wouldn't have uh apo you have to california it was a headache yeah <laughs> but uh the only thing that was annoying was doing interviews because i applied to the air force and naval academy so yeah. i do some interviews and those were live and it was like 10 a.m. in Texas. And then there, I don't know if we use Zoom or Google Meets, but I call in and it's just like pitch black outside and they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking about your graduation, what was graduation like at Kubi? I know with COVID and everything, it probably threw that a little bit off. What was the graduation? Uh, well, we'll kind of start with like when school got out. Yeah. Uh, basically, we got spring break. And I'm sure it was the same for you. They just said, hey, we're going to extend spring break. Yeah. And they just kept extending it. And then I don't think we ever went back to campus after spring break. And then they did a graduation and it was a drive-through. Everyone drove in their cars. You'd stop. Mm -hmm. It was nice. They had like a red carpet. You walk up, get your diploma, get back to your car. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards at uh, Zucharin, they had a, a food place set up, like a barbecue type thing. Oh, that's nice, at least. That definitely was worse for uh, certain places. How bad was COVID in Oki? Because I know, like, I heard, I heard some things that wasn't that bad, and it was interesting, the reaction. Um, it depends on what you mean by bad. Do you mean, like, how I, I bad were the lockdowns or, like, the actual virus spreading? Dude, I would say the virus spreading, because I know in the States, it was it got out of the hand in a lot of places very quickly. If you just compare those at all, if you have any reference, I'm not sure. If you don't, you don't. I think the actual spread of the virus and people getting sick was a lot mm-hmm. better because, yeah. I mean, the military bases immediately like shut down once Americans mm-hmm. started doing it. Um, so there's a lot less Americans out. And then Japan also had their own restrictions. So it was, wasn't too bad. Yeah. Didn't virus. they say you guys couldn't eat out anymore? They said that. And <laughs> they're pretty loose rules <laughs> Jeez. okay i mean i'm just saying uh no it's totally fine let's talk about flying now i know you mentioned you're interested in that and if i'm correct you did get your pilot's license i saw that post of yours what was that process like just learning to fly and when did you start um so when i like started for the first time when i first yeah. ever manipulated the controls of an airplane was probably like in fourth grade or so because um, my dad's a pilot and he yeah. would fly us around a bunch and he would give us like flight lessons and when i was younger they were just like you know hold the controls and do a little turn nothing serious and then i think nothing sophomore serious. year of high school i was getting back into it a little more serious i was like actually really flying i was doing most of it by myself and he was just backing me up 
And then moving to Japan, we kind of got set back junior year. I didn't fly at all. Okay. Then senior year, while well, in Okinawa, I flew a bunch at Kadena because they have an aero club there. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. You had to fly the Cessnas they have, which are these a Cessna. Those are like the clown plane looking things, you know, the high wing, sure, yeah. single prop, all mm-hmm. that. And they were modified to burn diesel, which is jet fuel. So mm-hmm. they would use the old fuel from the jets to save money on the gas because they were Air Force planes, you know. Perfect, yeah. Um, but yeah, I flew with my dad most of the time because he was a flight instructor. And then when I left Okinawa, I wasn't a pilot yet. I did the last few things here in Wilmington yeah. and then got my pilot's license. And right now I'm working on my instrument rating and multi-engine rating. And what will that let you be able to do? Is there any like more moving up in this process? There's a lot more move, a lot more gotcha. to move up. Because obviously me and an air, a real bona fide airline pilot have a lot <laughs> different training levels. <laughs> I would hope um, so. That's why that was my Because <laughs> to be a private pilot, which is what I am, what that means is you are allowed to fly you and at most of five other people in a single engine airplane VFR. VFR means with not in clouds, visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't do it for hire. So if I flew six other people or five other people six total, I would have to pay a sixth of all the cost. I can't be paid. I can't pay less than that because then I'm basically being paid and I'm okay. not to that point yet. Why, why can't you get paid? It seems like you have the skill. I mean, this is ridiculous. Because they don't want someone to, you know, become a pilot after flying. So you only need 40 hours. That's how much you oh. need to learn how to drive. It's not that much. They don't want me, you know, flying packages for someone or someone around and around. So that just mm-hmm. wouldn't be safe. However, once you get to 100 hours, you can take the commercial pilot check ride. Mm-hmm. And then once you're a commercial pilot, you can start getting paid. Yeah. So it's, another, so what's, it's another step. Sorry. Yeah, so what's your what's your goal? What's your end goal with this? What are you looking to do? Uh, my end goal uh, depends on how far you're looking out. For mm-hmm. general aviation, which is just flying, you know, on my own, would be get commercial, which means I need paid instrument, which means I can fly in clouds or when I can't see the horizon, and then okay. multi-engine, which means I can fly with more than one engine. Mm-hmm. Those are the current goals right now. That's really cool stuff, man. That's that's awesome that you've been able to do that. Was there anything like challenging in this process? I mean, you said you had some experience, but was there any hurdles for you? Uh, I think the hardest part was being able to start flying again while in Japan yeah. because it was a really weird process. And I got, I can't lie, I got really lucky with my dad being an instructor mm-hmm. because in Okinawa right now, they only have, I think, four flight instructors and they have a lot of people who want to learn how to fly. Mm-hmm. They just don't have enough instructors to be able to fly with the people. And then my dad was like, hey, I'll just fly with you. And then I don't have to worry about all, having to schedule with all the instructors. I mean, I did a few times, but it made it a lot easier. Yeah, so all these people learning to fly in Oki, these are just like high school kids or other people living on the island? I think there's a few high school kids, um, but most of them were, I think, enlisted Air Force or uh, Marines who just wanted to try flying. Gotcha. And so how many hours do you have now total just flying on your own? Uh, I'd have to get my log book, but I'm a little... No shoot. I think I'm over 100. That's awesome, yeah. And what's it, what's it like being up there? I mean, 
just I'm sure the view is incredible. What do you like about it, like actually flying? Uh, I don't know. I like going fast and flying is really cool. <laughs> um, but the first Good time I flew you. solo, the first time I flew like totally by myself, which was at Kadena, yeah. it was just really crazy because it's a small plane and there's a usually a dude sitting right next to you. Mm -hmm. I took off and I looked to the side and I'm like, there's no one else here. Like, yeah. I could crash and die and that'd be my fault. No one <laughs> could stop me. Like, yeah. it's probably not I mean, the I, mindset you needed. But I was just like shocked. I was like, I can. I'm like, what the hell? I'm just by myself in the air and I'm not yeah. allowed to drive off base. Like, what the hell? <laughs> this is crazy. That's a weird way of putting. Yeah. Uh, have you ever ran into any issues while in the uh, in the air? Um. A few things, nothing super serious, stuff mm -hmm. that could have been serious, and not really anything by myself. Um, when me and my dad, and I think my brother was in the back, we were flying from North Carolina, where I am now, to Texas, and we were going through some weather, right. and nice and high, and we started getting ice, which is not good because it messes with the aerodynamics of the plane. Basically, if you do nothing, you'll just fall out of the sky. Not fun stuff. Um, not fun, so we had to do an emergency descent from 11,000 feet to 5,000 feet and basically power to idle and dump the nose and man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounded crazy. Were you, were you flying at the time or was it your dad? I was flying. Um, I mean, that was my first time seeing ice and my mm -hmm. dad coached me. He was like, like, no, you have to go down quicker than that. Cause I was used to Jeez. like, you know, yeah. gentle descents, like, you know, make the comfort passenger, mm -hmm. you know, comfortable. And he was like, no, you got to dump it and just get the fuck down. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you were giving advice to someone, once again, more advice, someone who wants to learn how to fly, something that you wish you would have known sooner, I guess, is what I'm asking. Anything like that? Can you say again? Like, what was there anything kind of... you wish you would have known sooner before you started learning how to fly? Um, it's a real time commitment. That's something. I mean, you need literal hours in a logbook, but yeah. the time it takes, not just flying, you have to, you know, be able to schedule it with somebody. You have to get to the airport. You have to pre-flight, debrief. There's just a lot more than flying, and it's gonna suck for a while, but you just gotta keep doing it and get through it. Yeah, that's. I mean, once again, I already said, awesome that you've been able to do that. Uh, one more thing that I want to talk to you about that I mentioned once again yesterday with uh, some of your old friends was you had a boat in Oki. I just thought it was really cool. And they said you would just go out to an island and they said you would like bury shit out there. And I was like, well, I have to ask them about this. This is just one thing I needed to know. How, why? What, what was going on? Uh, so when I lived in Virginia, the people across the street, they just kind of threw an old boat on the side of the road, like, you know, when you someone throws a mattress out, same kind of oh, thing, just threw it out there. Yeah. And it was a, you know, a Zodiac, you know, like an inflatable boat. Oh, yeah. A yeah. small one. And w me and my dad were outside, and he was like, is that a boat? And I was like, maybe. We brought it over into our yard, inflated it, and we saw that there were holes in it, and, like, we can tell why they're throwing it away. Yeah. But we were like, you know, it won't be too hard to fix this. So we started fixing it. The neighbors saw it. And they brought me the title to the boat and just signed it over to me because it was a registered boat in Maryland. So I got the title to a boat. And then 
I'm like, hey, we're moving to Okinawa. That's a tropical island. And I'd get my yeah. boat ready, patched some holes in it, tested it in the Potomac. We bought a motor, uh, I think in DC, you know, patches mm-hmm. up, brought it to Okinawa. And I went to Hamahiga and I just kind of went out and went off to this island off the coast called Okibaru. And mm-hmm. I went there a couple of times. It's pretty cool. I think the Marine Corps used to use it for training. There's like yeah. uh, blanks on the ground everywhere. There's a little landing pad type thing. I found a shrine on that island, found a well, a bunch of stuff. And me and my brother one night uh, went out there and stayed the night on the island, which was pretty fun. Jeez, that yeah, that fun. trip, that was a crazy trip. Because um, are you familiar with like how the east side of Okinawa looks? Uh, yes, I have a good idea, yeah. Yeah, like where that big red bridge is, and there's like a string of islands that yes, I, yeah, yeah, northeast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to the furthest one we could and mm-hmm. launched there just so we could have a longer trip on yeah. the water, just like 30 minutes one way. Yeah. This way it would be like an hour and a half, which made it more fun as part of the adventure. Of course. But I'd never done that before, and we ran into a couple problems. The first <laughs> one was about halfway there, there was this reef that went out off the coast of one of the islands and it was low tides the reef was about six inches or so above the water and then i I was like okay we can just go around it go in the open sea this time it's Mm -hmm. actual open water not protected and we tried that for about five minutes and the waves were so big that like we would be inside a wave like we'd be between two waves (laughs) that would be you couldn't see the horizon the wave would be over you so we were like yeah this is a small boat (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah i think it's about nine feet long to yeah uh, that's big. nothing in between the waves how do you get out of it how to end up uh we just did a u-turn and went to that reef and we ended up taking all of our stuff out of the boat taking the motor off deflating it or no we didn't deflate it we just lifted it up and we carried the boat our stuff and the motor across that reef which was about a kilometer long that, which that took forever yeah, but um, did you end up making it to where you were? Yeah, then um, we made it to the water, you know, got everything ready, launched mm-hmm. again. And as we're getting there, the tide's coming in, so it's kind of like our stuff is starting to float away. So, you know, we're like, oh, sh- we got to get going. Um, and then we're going, seems like smooth sailing. I hit the propeller on a rock, and I break the shear pin, which basically is like the clutch for the boat. It prevents okay. you from destroying the engine, by, but it makes it to where the propeller won't work. So we had to take off the motor, pull it in the boat, and then I had to replace the shear pin, then reattach it, all while there's pretty big waves going around. Um, our anchor's not quite holding us still, and we're just uh-huh. kind of drifting there. But then we get that fixed out, uh, get to the islands, cook some dinner on a fire, and stay the night there we could see the milky way it was pretty awesome that is awesome i mean those are the type of things that you just like dream about doing in okinawa like that and i'm glad that you definitely lived it to the fullest while you're out there uh what was your do your brother have any concerns or is he pretty easy going with all this because he was like <laughs> he's quite used, the experience he's usually a pretty mellow guy um mm-hmm. but he was not that was like one of the few times I've seen him not be mellow and he was sure. like actually freaking out. I was like, this is fine. I've done this before. I can figure it out. <laughs> but he was like, 
freaking out like when especially when i was literally took the motor off while we're floating over like i'm sure 15 feet of water like if i would have dropped it we were basically screwed we had paddles but that sucked yeah um and then i got that motor on and all that the whole time he's like holding just staring at the anchor he said that's like the most scared he's been in a while but uh once we got the island though it was nice and we did not go back the same way we kind of took a shortcut um landed on a different island and our mom helped move us around get our car back perfect is there any other experiences do you like to share like that because i mean those are a great story uh one other cool thing i did is on plaza there's this uh, have you been to on plaza before yeah yeah like right by the front gate there's that big like you know those big ditches they have yeah the stones me and uh steel matt steel air force he went yeah. to kadena yeah i know um we put on some uh scuba boots went in the ditch and just started walking because it wasn't fenced off at the gate yeah and we walked like a mile just down this creek and it turned into a real creek and there were like points where like there were these walls down there we slid down mm -hmm. had to climb back up after it was just a really cool thing yeah that's pretty neat obviously very adventurous guy that's a lot of fun would you ever go back to oki and you wouldn't yeah uh, yeah i'm planning on going back uh this winter awesome if, assuming i can travel yeah I mean, that's a big question mark for everyone uh well abe this has been absolute pleasure having you on the show telling us some of your favorite stories from okinawa and kubasaki uh this is you know loved to have doing my podcast and talking to guys like you so thank you very much and yeah. keep you posted with my upload process might be up tonight so thank you it's the shannon show shannon show the shannon show shannon show the shannon show, show.